Well, welcome to episode three of Missouri Swagger with Colin Bunn and Dennis Hopeless, your favorite new show. As you probably have already noticed, the audio, as far as we understand, is about a second off from my mouth moving. So just look at what it looked like, and then don't pay attention to my mouth, and we should be good. Colin's audio, as we understand it, should be great. After, after This is what you done. call DIY. Yeah, after, after we're, we're done, done i cover you all your video up with something else, like a picture. So, like what? Did you just have to cover my mouth? I thought about that. I could like put something in front of my mouth and they wouldn't be able to tell, but then you probably would muffle the sound. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously we were made fun of by Bleeding Cool for how uh, low rent our technical skill is for this this particular show, but we're figuring it out. Um, what? Someone on Bleeding be... Cool said something snarky and annoying? Was it yes. Jude Terra? We. And of course it was Jude Terra. That's his, that's his skill set. Uh, so yeah, it's, you know, she's not refined yet, but there's a lot of charm to it. And it's, it's very backwoods. It's like we've got, uh, some sort of moonshine still that's getting a little bit of rust in the tanks, but it still tastes good. Still gets you drunk. I like that you um, seem to be, you are in an actual recording studio of some sort there. You've got oh, yes. guitars behind you. And yet we can't get welcome the audio to beautiful, right. <laughs> welcome to beautiful Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I'm staying with Kevin Mellon for the week, um, and this is where Kevin records his tunes and does his his drawing. Um, Kevin is a good friend of ours. He was the artist on Gearhead and Lovestruck, my first two comics, and now he does um, storyboards for Archer and other fine television shows. And yeah, I'm staying here. So he's got this microphone set up. Colin sounds like an angel through through my my uh, headphones here, and yet we cannot sync up the audio. Maybe it's, it's, maybe do? it has maybe it's already fixed itself. I, I find that a lot of times these problems just resolve themselves if you don't if you ignore them. My hope is that we're wrong and we were wrong all along and we wasted twenty five minutes and it'll be fine. And then also I did like five minutes of shtick about it that doesn't make any sense. That's my hope with this episode. But all right, we'll see what we get. So Dennis, um, um, I wanted to say, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You, let's hear what you want to say first. Oh, I wanted to say, because I keep forgetting to say in every episode, that the title, Missouri Swagger, was come up with by Jasmine Amiri, a good friend of ours and Lion Forge editor. Uh, it is also important to note she told me it was not a good idea for a YouTube show uh, title, but she is the reason that that phrase exists. Well, thank you, Jasmine. So, yeah, I wanted to say that. Thank you for our title. Yes. That We don't really know what it means or stands for, but we appreciate it. She She was describing my accent is where it came from. See, I don't hear an accent, but okay. Well, it's because yours is so much like more syrupy compared to me. Compared to you, I don't have one. I have a syrupy accent. What? That's gross. You do have a syrupy accent. You sound like a fine gentleman. Well, finally, works once. for you. For once in my life, I sound like a fine. Okay, gentleman. so so I, I've been making a list of like things for us to talk about on these, so that they're not so rambly and off the cuff. But I think this episode, you actually have. A direction for us. I do. I uh, I put the call out for some questions from our listeners on Twitter and Facebook, and I have a bunch of questions, probably more than we can get through. But if we don't get through them, uh, we'll save them and we'll we'll add them to the to an, another episode, so so that we are answering all of your delightful questions. Um, but we have another. Now, if I don't like a question, can I pass? Well, I guess we can pass on whatever we want to. We don't have to answer these questions. What if they aren't good questions? Well, I think they're all wonderful questions. Are they good questions? Did you curate them at all? Okay. Nope. I'm taking – I got every one of them up in front of me right now. So. All right. Well, shoot. Let's do – let's start there. All right. Here we go. We're going to start. Um, our first question is from Sean, uh, at Sean C. Hamilton on Twitter. He <laughs> – 
This is all right. He asks, would the two of you ever co-write a book together? And if so, what would it be? Sean obviously we have co-written all of our work because yes, we, well, we have <laughs> written books together. Uh, we wrote uh, some Cable and X Force issues together, and uh, yes, some sort of Secret War. What was the other thing? A Secret Wars book. Secret Wars uh, House of M. Yes, House of M. So we wrote we wrote at least a few issues together. That's all we've written, right? Yes. So yes. when inside baseball on that is that I am a very slow writer and Colin is a very fast writer. So oftentimes if I get an opportunity that I, that messes up my schedule or if I just fall crazy behind like I did in Cable and X-Force, um, I will call Cullen in to, uh, to co-write with me. And uh, it, work, it goes really well. I think we play to each other's strengths. We have a good time uh, plotting stuff. And Cullen uh, is really good at not slapping me whenever I make him change things or whenever I tell him that Scarlet Witch can't be punched by her brother. Yeah, that's the only time I ever wanted to punch you. But uh, we don't have to get into that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I guess, and, and then, uh, you know, going forward, would we ever work co-write a book together? Maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not unwilling. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, we, uh, I don't think, it, we, we pitched uh, an X-Men book we were going to write together that was going to be amazing, but it didn't happen. So was didn't happen. Uh, yeah, well, we've, we've thrown out some creator own ideas. Now, if you guys make this, this uh, channel extremely popular and we get a lot of subscribers and a lot of uh, um, what's the, there's a word that I'm trying to think of. You'd think I'd be able to come up with words quicker than that. Um, support but yeah, money. If, yeah. If we have a lot of support for the show, we could make a book called Missouri swagger because it is a great name for a, ti- a title for a comic book. That's true. Uh, that would be awesome. So chances are we'll make some Missouri swag or something or other at some point, unless this is a abysmal failure. But as someone who once played 72 hours of horseshoes straight until everyone else involved told me I had to stop and took them away. I suspect we will just grind this thing into the asphalt, whether you're watching or not. All right. So look forward to more episodes. All right. So next question is from, uh, I'll skip that. I'll get that one next. Uh, (laughs) Chris at all at, at strictly worse on worse on Twitter asks, I want to know how you script the comics and is it artist specific? Also, what comic book stores in Missouri deserve a shout out? Um, you go so first. I went, as far as comic book scripting, first of all, if you go to my website, which is just kellenbun.com, I've got a few uh, comic book scripts right there. So you can go and see exactly what my scripts look like. Uh, there's a couple that have the comic script and the, the associated issues, so you can actually compare them and see what they look like. Uh, up until recently, I used Word to write all my scripts, but now I'm using Scrivener. I've been using Scrivener now for a couple of uh, a couple of weeks, uh, and I'm still not used to it. But I think I might like it. Maybe I don't know. I like the formatting that I can format my scripts very quickly. Um, Does that let you note card and stuff like break stuff up? Yeah, and it lets you. And then move yeah, it Scrivener lets you do note cards. It lets <laughs> you break things up. It lets you move pieces around very easily. Um, but it also has a, a, a sort of a formatting built in for comic books, and I can hit tab and it formats for dialogue, and I hit tab and it formats for panel descriptions, and it's it, it's uh, it's very easy to get through, which is awesome. Um, it makes there's a learning curve, but I think I'll be faster once I'm used to Scrivener and how it works. Um, and you know, as far as I you know, I outline with a comic script. I feel like you have to outline a ton. You have to really be prepared for what you're doing because you're limited by the number of issues in a series, the number of pages in an issue, the number of panels on a page. So I do a ton of outlining before I ever get to the script, the, the scripting phase. Um, and as far as writing for specific artists, I think 
I don't know, Dennis, I think you have more experience maybe with artists who've wanted you to, you know, that you've adapted to their style. I, I, most of my scripts look the same regardless. Yeah. I, I mean, usually I'll write in my standard style, which is a lot of description. I, I do a lot of panel description, like exactly what I see, but I always make very clear, like change this up if you want, or I'll even put like question marks in there. Like, should we do this? Because uh, coming from doing uh, storyboards and stuff in film and college, I have to be able to see the shots. So I describe what's in my head, but understanding that the artist can change anything they want. Um, but yeah, once I get com- comfortable with somebody, uh, especially artists that like to do a lot of, you know, designing the page or changing the pacing up or whatever, I'll loosen that up quite a bit. On uh, Spider-Woman, in the end, I was just giving him, <clears throat> I was just giving Javier uh like roughly what happened on the page and the dialogue and letting him go crazy. And then I would go back in with him and figure out dialogue placement. A lot of times on the action sequence, we would just yank all my words off of there because it'd be so brilliant that it needed to be silent. But it depends on the artist. It depends on the situation. And a lot of times it depends on how long you've been working with the same team. Cause you know, if you're, if you've been on a book for a year and have a really good relationship with the artist, they don't need as much direction as someone you've never met before. You want to just make sure you're being clear. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, what about Brian Hurt? Like you worked with Brian Hurt for a hundred years. Did, did you get to where it was looser or did you just no. do the same thing? Yeah, I worked with Brian on so many books, but uh, he he wanted a full script for every issue. There were a couple of issues. There was a silent issue that I did a slightly different script for. Um, mm-hmm. And there was an issue where he wanted to do some crazy things with the panels. So he asked me to write more of a, uh, you know, more, it wasn't really a, you know, classic Marvel style, but really describe the page, what was going on and let him do his thing. Um, but I think he much preferred the full script and I just keep to it. So I never did a shortcut for him or Tyler Crook or any of the other artists that I've worked with for a long time. I, I tend to write the same, same way for all of them. And no matter how long I've worked with them. So what about comic stores, comic shop in Missouri? You want to give a shout out, Dennis? Uh, well, I worked at Pulp Fiction Comics and Games in Lee Summit, Missouri, uh, for a long time, and they've given me an employee discount for maybe over a decade at this point. So I'm a big fan of that shop. Um, we were just at Phoenix Comics in yes. Peculiar, Missouri the other day. That's a delightful store. Yeah. And, what else uh, you and I'll give, I'll give a shout out to, uh, my local comic shop, The Comic Cave. Uh, it's where I buy my books and uh, I'm working with the owner of the comic cave, Josh Roberts. I'm working with him uh, to bring a comic book convention to Springfield, Missouri in September. Um, so uh, that shop means a lot to me and I hope uh, people support it. And then uh, I'll also, since you said too, I'll give a little shop of comics in Cuba, Missouri. My friend, uh, Jimmy Johnston, Jimmy Z, uh, just on a whim decided to open a comic book shop because that's the kind of person he is. And uh, he has opened a comic shop, and I, from what I hear, it's doing pretty well. I was there for the grand opening, and uh, you know, it's a it's a nice little shop in Cuba, Missouri. So there we go. We'll talk. We can talk about more in future episodes. There's a lot of great shops in Missouri. Yeah, absolutely. So. All right. Next question. Same question for both of you. What's your dream character or team to write? Go, Dennis. What's your dream character? I have to go first. Dream character. You want me to answer for you? I, I, think I, I don't like speculating about what characters I would like to write that I haven't written. That is because you never know until you get there. And some of the characters I was the most hesitant to put in books are the ones I ended up liking the most. Like I didn't want Domino and Cable and X-Force and I right. love writing Domino more than almost any character. Um, but 
characters who I have dabbled with but never really got to sink my teeth into, I would do a long Emma Frost story all day long. Um, I love Emma Frost. She's super fun to write. And uh, Namor as well. Those That's two characters the one I was going to guess. If I had named similarly one for you, delight. it was going to be Namor. Right, because you have read my Namor work and you love it so much that you want more of it. There's only one yes. person I like Namor, writing Namor more than you. Is it you? Me. But, uh, uh, and for me, you know, I, I agree with you because some of the characters I don't like, like uh, with Uncanny X-Men, I didn't want to put Monet in the book. And I ended up really liking uh, Monet as a character. I think she's awesome. Um, but really any of the horror characters, that's the, they're, they're, you know, that's always, that's my go-to answer. You know, Hellstorm, Man-Thing, Swamp-Thing, Etrigan the Demon, Clarion the Witch Boy, any of those characters, uh, I would, uh, I would love to get a chance to write. Earlier when I described your accent as syrupy, the way you say the word horror is a very good example of that. Cause it sounds like aura, but with an H on the front. Horror. All right. Well, that's. It's not I, an insult. It's, it's a delight. All right. Good. Yeah. Um, you just read Great Gatsby for me sometime. I hate that book, but I feel like you reading it would be delightful. I think that would be awesome, awful, awful. <laughs> um, all right. How often do you get the opportunity to uh, incorporate Missouri into your comic scripts? Boy, just I've all done, the time. Yeah. I, I do it a lot. You do? Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I've ever done it. Yeah, I, I do it a lot when I'm looking for towns that I don't want, uh, you know, especially with superhero books, and you don't want a big villain attacking New York City one more time. Sure. I'll have them attacking, uh, it wasn't Cuba, Missouri, but a small town like that. Um, uh, Cape Girardeau appeared in the first issue of Magneto, and then somehow between the scripting and between the lettering pass and the printing, they changed the name to Cape Girardin. So I, uh, I guess I invented a new Missouri town in Magneto. Uh, but yeah, every now and again, I put a Missouri town in. Just I to, tend to do the opposite, where I, if I go on vacation somewhere or if I meet someone from someplace, then I'll, I'll like all of the locales you'll see, especially in my X Men books, are places that I was I had recently visited. Um, so if you want to know where I've been, that's that's a good way to do it. I did do Dodge City one time, which is in Kansas and not that far away from home from Missouri. But uh, that is one of the weirdest issues of Spider Woman, where there are Hulk cows and mindless dancing people doing boot, boot scooting boogie it might be Cullen's favorite episode issue of spider woman it probably is um all right no one saw me sigh when you were describing it so it's okay <laughs> um we already answered this one from council of caleb uh how does your process start or at least i did you know with the outlining like i said i do a lot of outlining and then i just start writing so i think we kind of cover that unless you want to add something in how your process starts Mine's basically the same. I have a about 18 hours more uh, completely motionless anxiety that happens before I start outlining that I think you skip. But, uh, but yeah, once I'm upright and in the chair, outlining and then flesh it out, flesh it out, flesh it out, done. There you go. Um, okay. On Facebook, Jared Borden asks, what advice would you give up-and-coming writers who are ready to give up and keep them pursuing their dream? I mean, give up. <laughs> if for no other reason to get the hell out of our way. Yeah, don't don't steal our food. Um, no, uh, I think what I would say to Jared is, uh, I, first of all, I think as a freelancer, I, I'm always, at least for me, I'm always two steps from the ledge of giving up on my dream. I feel like uh, I could give up at any given moment. Um, but I can also tell you that it took me 
forever to break in. Um, it took me a long, long time to break into comics. Some some people don't like when you use the term break in, but I don't really give a damn what they like. Um, it took me it took me a long time to break in. And I was uh, going through a phase where I used to say to myself, okay, if I don't break in by the time I'm this age, I'm going to stop work, worrying about comic books and not, not try anymore and pursue other things. And then I'd get there and then I'd say, well, if I don't break in by the time I'm this age, I'm going to give up on it. Um, and I just think, you know, you just got to fight through that stuff. Um, Jack Kirby drew Fantastic Four when he was, how old do you remember, Dennis? He was in his mid-50s, I believe. I think he was in his 40s, wasn't he? No, I, well... Regard, well, I think he created, I heard, he created I heard, Captain America and then he went to war and then he came back and did Fantastic Four. All right, well, he was he was an older gentleman when he yes. broke in with when he really had his big Fantastic Four hit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it doesn't matter, you know, it's going to take you a while and it's going to feel like you're going to quit. And that is sort of nature's way of weeding out writers um, is letting the ones who feel like they're going to quit quit and the ones who fight through it keep going and uh, and. You know, a huge percentage of being a writer is tenacity. So I would just not say, just not just being a writer. Anything you want in life that other people want, the yeah. best way to get it is to put yourself on that path and don't stop until you get there. Like yeah. it is very easy to settle and it's very easy to stop and quit and give up on things, whether that's like a fitness plan or a relationship or a dream job or a you know like a vacation you want to go on. Like just. Point your nose in that damn direction. Don't listen to anybody and keep moving till you get there. In the worst case scenario, you're, you're on a path that you care about and you're trying something and you die and you're going to die anyway. That's, that's gl- gloomy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Songbird Diamond, uh, at oh. Twitter asks us, should America blow up the moon? Come on. Okay. Songbird Diamond. Let's talk about Songbird Diamondback. Songbird Diamondback is a big fan of Cullen's work. And a person who is not a fan of Avengers Arena will say. And we have a, we have a segment coming up that we're, we're workshopping where Colin and I are going to read mean things that were said about us on the internet, but I'll read Colin's and Colin will read mine. And at some point, if we get our technical aspect, see there, pull that out my ear, um, under control, we'll have guests on, we'll have them read mean things. But one of the mean things that I'm going to have Colin read is a quote from Songbird Diamondback from when Avengers Arena came out that I used to have hanging above my, my desk in, in my old office to motivate me. So, um, what was Songbird Diamondback's question? He asked if we should blow up, if America should blow up the moon. And that's a terrible under- question. No, of my course, America, America should the- not blow up the moon. We need the moon for tides, right? If you've ever watched Thundar the Barbarian, you know that when the moon gets destroyed, it unleashes sorcerers and giant robots and demons and uh, weird horse creatures onto the earth. This sounds like a good... Actually, I kind of like it now. I kind (laughs) of like that idea. So, yes, yes, we should blow up the moon. Good job. See if you can make that happen. Um, All right. Uh, Eric Mysterio asks us, what is one one topic is that he'd like us to discuss are the things that scare us both, and has that ever been in, turned into a story you've written? Oh, I mean, in the micro, absolutely, things that scare me have turned into stories. Um, but it's usually for me, it's usually like some weird emotional personal life thing I'm going through will be all over. Well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Okay, Spider Woman. Yeah. Spider Woman had a baby because um, I had twins uh when i wasn't even sure i wanted one child so the the degree to which that ruined my life 
became one of my favorite superhero stories I've ever written. Um, also, I love my children now. Once they could sit up and feed themselves, they became delightful creatures. But, uh, but yeah, definitely that, that was about, I think, the fear and anxiety and overwhelmingness of being a new father. Um, I'm, I also am terrified of snakes, like irrationally terrified of snakes. So that, I don't know that I've ever, I don't know how many snakes I've written though. What about you? Uh, yeah, I, every, everything that scares me works its way into uh, a comic or a story at some point, and it's different things. Um, uh, and I could name it with almost every every character. Um, uh, I can tell you that uh, when I was writing Uncanny X-Men, and this is something that, that I don't know that a lot of people picked up on because, one, I never got to take the story as far as I wanted to, and, and it got the, the those plot lines got dropped uh, when others took over the character. But Sabretooth was a character who was, uh, who was good. He had been, uh, he had been inverted. So this evil character Sabretooth had been inverted. And, uh, he was now a good person in theory. Um, but in my book, he was slowly feeling that slip away. And he was slowly losing himself and becoming someone else. And that directly ties into, uh, you know, some, some pretty deep fears I have about, uh, Alzheimer's and dementia. You know, I lost my dad to that and I think it's a horrible, horrible, uh, disease and, uh, and it scares the hell out of me in many ways. And, uh, and Sabretooth was, uh, me writing Sabretooth and how he was feeling about himself slipping away is, uh, was a lot about, uh, my fears of, of that happening to me or happening to people I, I care about. And you said I'm grim. Well, I'm just telling you. Grimace. That is a great answer, but now I'm, I feel like I want to pat you on the back, but you're too far away. (laughs) All right. Um, we only have time time for a couple more. Um, this is my favorite. That question, the fear question actually made me think of what Missouri swagger story I'm going to tell at the end of this. So thank you for that. Well, here's your next question. Your last question for you. And it's directed to you from Matt Leggetti. Any hope of an X-Men arena? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I would do it in a heartbeat. If I get to write arcade again, that would be delightful. If I could come up with an excuse to use um, some of the the characters from Arena and Avengers Arena and Avengers Undercover, I would do it in a, in a heartbeat. Marvel is usually hesitant to revive titles with the same creative team or similar titles with the same creative team unless it was a breakout sales success because, you know, we, we got to tell our story. It kind of ended when it ended. It ran itself down to natural attrition. And if they did something like that, I would imagine it wouldn't be with me. Now, if you guys decide that I'm the next big thing in comic books and I blow up over the next 18 months, I could probably do whatever I want, but it's a, where it sits now, I would probably be more likely to be on other things and, and have other sorts of opportunities. But I loved writing Avengers Arena. It'd be really fun to do it now where I'm not so anxious about how much people hate me on the internet. Um, so yeah, I'll just murder some kids today, tomorrow, and every Man, day this, going forward. This episode's a lot about you, your dislike of kids. I love children. I just didn't want them before I had them. All right. All right. All right. And I didn't I, have kids yet when I wrote Arena. Maybe I couldn't write it now. Maybe you that's might the problem. Not, uh, I, I lied. I have one more question that I liked from Cameron Williams. Uh, which character that the other created would you most want to kill off? I like this question because the answer popped into my head immediately. I didn't even have to think about it. What's and your my, answer? Do you, ha- do you have a character of mine you'd like to kill off? That I yeah, but you go first because you're delighted. You're so clearly I would, excited. I would love to kill off Pickles the Bamf. You and every other person. I I hate Pickles the Bamf. I don't know. Actually, and it's weird 
Pickles appears in so many issues of X-Men Blue and often is the per, the character that saves the day for the X-Men. But uh, um, not so many. He appears in a few. He he appears in the final issue of X-Men Blue I just wrote, uh, and I didn't kill him. But yeah, I think I kind of like to kill Pickles the Vamp. Yeah, I don't think you're alone there. You know, it's Jason Latour. Pickles the Vamp is Jason Latour's fault because I had plotted the opening two issues of All New X-Men. And for reasons we won't get into, those X books had to be written at lightning speed, like conceived and written very quickly. And I remember <laughs> I realized at the end of the I think it's the end of the first issue that the conceit of the book is that the X-Men, that group of X-Men are all over the country Uh on vacation, like they're taking a vacation and they have to come back to save Cyclops, but there's not a lot of time in between. And so I was, I was talking to um, Latour about how the hell do I get them all in one place? And he's like, I just use a Banff. So I created pickles and had it so that beast had wired him into the VW bus um, in order to teleport all of them at once. So that's why pickles was created. And then I heard nothing but grief from uh, fans online about how much they hated Pickles, which, if you know me, that's going to make me do more of it. Right. Like, Pickles just became the star of the show at that point. Um, so, yeah, I don't think you're alone there. Uh, who would I kill? They're all awesome. I wouldn't kill any of them. There's an issue of, uh, I believe, Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe, the first one. Yeah. Well, everybody dies but, in that, so. Yeah, but there's a character in one of the panels named Cullen Bunn. Ah, yes, yes. Who I would kill and kill and kill again. Yes, the and greatest. I hope we never have to see him. All right, well, there you go. There you go, Cameron. Dennis wants to kill me and hates kids. <laughs> All right, so if we didn't get to your question, we will. I'll save them and we'll get to them in another one. But Dennis, why don't you take us out? Let's hear your uh, your story. Okay, so this now this story involves my, my both of my parents and uh, the little town that um, my mother grew, grew up in for part of her childhood and that I lived in very briefly. When I was three years old, my father was in a near fatal car accident and uh, he got brain damage, had to learn how to walk again and was kind of just loopy loo for a couple, three years. During this period, uh, obviously the income went down. So we moved into a trailer that was on my grandfather's land. My grandfather had a farm in Deepwater, Missouri um, or outside of Deepwater, Missouri. <clears throat> and, so we lived on this trailer. Now, if you live on a trailer that's just sitting somewhere in a farm, things like plumbing and electricity and uh, septic tanks are not the the height of modern convenience. Also, at this, during this time, my dad was pretty far gone, like not quite with it, not quite in reality. He thought he got a sunburn once and thought he was turning into a toad. And he came running out of the bathroom naked one day screaming to my mother that something in the toilet was staring at him. And my mom just assumes, like, go no, go back in there and clean yourself up, Jody. Like, it's, that's not what's happening. But she goes into the bathroom, and he demands that she looks. Like, he's just beside himself that she looks. And she sees a giant black snake head sticking up out of the water <laughs> in the toilet <laughs> and moving around. And they <clears> – <throat> I feel like they used uh, bolt cutters or something to cut its head off. And then they removed, my grandfather came over, they removed the toilet and the entire, somehow a bunch of snakes had gotten into the septic tank system and were coiled around all inside the plumbing stack, like in the, in the toilet so much that one was climbing up through the pipes to try to escape. 
I wonder why you have an irrational fear of snakes, Dennis. We have, well, it's because my mom does because of that. And then we lived, once we moved into the city, we lived near a creek where there were lots of snakes. I, I have lots of memories of my dad being called out to like chop snakes' heads off with shovels. And I think that like in hindsight were really ridiculous and brutal and unnecessary. But, uh, yeah, that's where my, where my fear of snakes comes from. And that is a good example of what Southern Missouri is like. All right. All right, well, that's it for today then. Uh, hopefully, uh, Dennis's audio issues will be resolved on the next recording. Uh, <laughs> Doubtful. If he had them, maybe they, maybe we didn't even have them. Maybe it was just a, you know, a phantom, a phantom audio problem. Awesome. Uh, we'll find out soon enough. But thank you right. everybody for, uh, for watching. And, uh, if you like the video, like it and subscribe and, uh, and stick with us. We will, See you next time. We will only get better. Have to. Couldn't possibly get worse. That's right.